We are going to be in the book of Galatians today. We are starting a new, a new series, but really what we're starting is just a continuation of what, we've, what we have been doing. As I've mentioned already, we, as we walked through the book of Acts, we have a, a knowledge right now of Paul. We have a, a, an understanding of his travels a little bit more. We understand where he went and, and when he went to those places and why he went to those places. And then now what I want to do is, is to try to take the letters that he wrote during his lifetime that we studied in the book of Acts I want to take those letters and I want to begin just to give you a, a, a broad overview of those letters so that you can, can take those letters and apply them to what you already know about the book of Acts and join that knowledge together. And so we're going to do that for these next weeks. We're going to look today at, at Galatians, the beginning of Galatians, and do part one of Galatians this week. We'll do part two next week and I think finish the book of Galatians next week. But we're going to do them, if you're, if you're flipping through your Bible, you'll notice that, that Galatians is not the first of Paul's letters in the Bible. That's because the Bible does not list out Paul's letters chronologically, but instead the way that they are put into the New Testament is roughly the longest letters go first and the shortest letters go last. And so you can see the, the longer ones are early in the New Testament, Philemon, one of his Shorter, one of his shorter letters, and then the pastoral epistles follow those. And so you can see how it gets listed. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through chronologically. Again, because I want to take the knowledge that we have from the book of Acts, and I want to apply that to these letters. And so Galatians, it appears, though there's some discussion and argument about it, it appears to me that Galatians is probably the first letter that Paul writes. So before we jump into Galatians chapter 1, you have to remember a little bit about Paul. And I'm not going to spend the whole time on it. We've walked through it. But Paul, Paul was, was the Pharisee. He was, Saul was the Pharisee. He was the best of the best. In Acts chapter 9, Saul is, is heading out to Damascus because he's going to go and he's going to, to arrest and, and throw believers in jail. He's, he's doing everything he can to put an end to early believers, to the Christians. And on that road in Acts chapter 9, on the Damascus road, Paul comes face to face with Jesus. And his life is changed from that moment on. And in fact, much of what we know about Paul's early days come right here out of this book in Galatians. Paul spells out some of what he did right after he had that encounter right after he had that encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, right after Ananias comes and, and lays hands on him and, and he's able to see scales fall off of his eyes, he's able to see again. And then he begins to tell us here in Galatians. Again, because this is, I think, one of the first letters, or the first letter that, that we have, at least, that Paul wrote. So we'll see this in just a moment. If you've read a little bit in Galatians, you kind of know some of that history. But, but part of what happens is, is Paul hooks up with Barnabas, and they become a missionary team in the book of Acts. And so right after, he has several years there that we don't see all of that in Acts, but he has several years where, where Paul is, is growing in his faith. He, he leaves from Israel. He goes off to Syria. He, he grows in his faith. He comes back then and gets partnered up with Barnabas, and they begin a missionary journey. 
And so Paul has three different missionary journeys that he goes on. This first one with Barnabas, there's a, there's a map for you to look at it there. This is the, the first missionary journey that we found in, in Acts, like chapters 13 and 14. And I'm not going to go through all that, but you can see they, they left from Antioch, which is the far right there. They sailed down to Cyprus. If you remember all of those stories, we walked through all that in the book of Acts. They then sailed north to Pamphylia, and that is where, where uh, John Mark, who was traveling with them, he left and, and they were on their own. He abandoned them, Paul said later. Um, and they were on their own, Paul and Barnabas. And so they headed north up through into that green area. And you can see the arrows. They go one way out to Derby, And then they go back, back through all of those same cities, back down to the coast. And then they sail back to Antioch. One big loop where they, where they go to all of those cities two times. They, they wander through them, they establish churches, and then they turn around and they head back the same way. They go back trying to strengthen the disciples that they met with the first times that they traveled through those churches. They appoint elders. We reread in Acts chapters 13 and 14. They pray and they fast with the believers in those churches. They establish early churches there in Lystra and Iconium and Antioch and Pisidia and Pamphylia and Persia. Cities in the area that you'll see on the, on the map there, the top of the green area, says that this area, which is now in, in Turkey, modern day Turkey, this area is the Galatia area. So after he returns back to Antioch, over here on the far right, Paul and Barnabas arrive back in Antioch, Acts chapter 15 tells us that some men come to Antioch, some men that come, some Judean men that come from Jerusalem, they come to Antioch and they say to Paul and to Barnabas, they, they tell them the news that's been coming out of Jerusalem, that there's this group of men who have been traveling around and they have been telling all of the early Christians, especially the early Gentiles, because at this point, this, this area is filled mostly with Gentiles and they go to those areas and lots and lots of non-Jewish people have become believers. And these men from Jerusalem come to Antioch. They say to Paul and Barnabas, there's these guys that are going around. They're telling all of these people that you have to be circumcised like the Jews in order for you to become a real believer. In order for you to become part of the church, you must be circumcised. And Paul and Barnabas, it tells us in Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're, they're outraged. They, they begin to debate those men right there in that moment. And this becomes such a large argument about whether or not Gentiles need to be circumcised to be a part of the faith. This debate gets to be so large that they end up having uh, the first that we see anyway, we see it in Acts chapter 15, the first all church council where the leaders of the church gather together to debate and to discuss a topic and to try to discern what is it that God really has for us as a church? What, does, what do we need to know? What do we have to believe? They have a council that meets over it. This letter in Galatians, and this is why I think this is the first letter that Paul writes, this letter in Galatians happens, it appears that this letter is written between when those men come and share with Paul and Barnabas the, the, the story that's going out about all these men teaching about needing to be circumcised 
This happens, this letter gets written between when that report comes to Paul and Barnabas and the church council that happens in Jerusalem. Because there's no, as we read through it, you'll see it, there's no, there's no um, announcement about what happened at the council in Jerusalem. It would be, it, it would fit perfectly in this letter for Paul to say, and just so you know, we had this council, this is what Peter and James and the rest of the early church fathers decided at the church council, which we see in Acts chapter 15. But there's no mention of it. There's no mention of the resolution that came out of that council. And so this letter to the Galatian church must come between those two things, the report of the men who are going through Galatia, telling all those people at those churches that they must be circumcised, and the council that happens in Acts chapter 15. And so, that's how we come to Galatians. I want you to, to, to know it. I want you to, to understand that part because there's these, these are letters that Paul writes. These are Paul's epistles. These are Paul's letters to the churches. But of all of the letters, this one, this one I think, we're, in fact, we're going to read some of it together in just a moment. You jump right in and you can read it as a letter. Too often, too often we get caught up in the scripture and, and we have a Bible reading plan and so we read through Galatians 1, maybe Galatians 1 and 2, and we read it just as another day of scripture, another passage of scripture that we read. But this is a letter. It's a personal letter that Paul is writing to the people in the churches in Galatia. It's introductory. Paul spells out, in fact, much of chapter one and even parts of chapter two are, are Paul telling his, his story, what he did, where he went, why he did it. It gives a little bit of his background. It, it tries to establish his authority. It tries to clarify his message. It's introductory for him, but it's also very personal. In fact, I think as Paul writes this letter, he doesn't just write a generic letter that's supposed to be passed around between churches in the Galatia area. But he writes this letter with names and faces in mind. He remembers. He just, he just made a trip. He, he, he went to all those cities two times. He went one way, came back the other way. He knows who's in those churches. He knows the men and the women that are there. He knows who's being persuaded by this argument that early believers need to be circumcised. And so Paul is writing this with names and faces in mind. It's very, very personal. And in fact, of the letters that Paul writes, this is, this is maybe the one that's, that, that just jumps right into the point. In fact, he chastises. He chastises the church in a number of his letters, but here in Galatians, he chastises the church early on. He wants to just jump right in to the point. And so this morning, we're not gonna read all of, all of chapters one and two, but we're gonna read some big chunks because I want you to, to see it as a letter. I want you to hear it as Paul wrote it. I want you to understand it in that way. So let's jump right into Galatians chapter one. It's page 972. I hope you'll follow along this morning in the scripture. It'll be on the screen as well, but I'd love for you to just to look at it in your own Bible or in a pew Bible this morning. And Galatians chapter one starts out like this. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace to you 
peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for all our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul starts with a gentle introduction and then he jumps right in. Verse six. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul right away lets them know, this is what I'm writing about. I gave you a soft opening. I told you who I was. I gave you some grace and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. But now, listen carefully. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ and you are turning to a different gospel. Not that there even is another one, he says, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And then he says, but even if we, me, Paul and Barnabas, even if we, or if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preached to you earlier, let him be accursed. As I've said it before and now I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul right away jumps straight in and says, don't get distracted. Don't be distracted from the gospel. Even if I were to come back and preach to you something different, even if an angel from heaven comes down and lands in your town and begins to try to tell you something different, don't be distracted from the gospel, Paul says. Don't let man's gospel get in the way of Jesus' gospel. It is too easy Paul is saying, it's too easy for us to try to add to the gospel. It's too easy for us to say Jesus plus something else is what we need to be saved. Jesus plus more. Jesus and something. But it's not Jesus and anything. There is no other gospel, Paul says. It's only Jesus And he continues on, chapter one. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that is preached by me is not man's gospel, showing his authority. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. I got this gospel that I'm teaching you from the source. Jesus himself met me on the road to Damascus. I received these revelation from Jesus Christ. And then he goes on in chapter one, verse 13. For you've heard of my former life of Judaism. We're not gonna read all of that, but he walks through here in the rest of chapter one. He begins just to walk through what happened after he received that revelation from Jesus Christ. So he's writing this letter to the Galatians. He's writing this first letter to the churches. Says, I can't believe, I can't believe that you're listening to something other than the gospel that I shared with you. Let me remind you of the gospel that I shared. I got it straight from Jesus. And then he begins to walk through. This is how we know. This is what I did. This is where I went. This is the ones that met with me. This is how we walked together. These are the years that I spent in training. I met with the disciples. We, we walked through it together. And then he moves on to chapter two. 
It says, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately, before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running and had not run in vain. He says, I was even called up. I was, I was sharing the gospel. I was leading people to find their faith in Jesus. And I was called before the early church, before those church fathers, I was called before them so that they could hear what I'm teaching and they could hear what I'm preaching. I got called so that I could check in and be verified that the gospel that I was preaching to you was correct. And then he continues on. Yet because of false brothers, in verse 4, yet because of false brothers who were secretly brought in and slipped in to spy on our freedom that we have in Christ so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. I got called in, he says, before the disciples and I did not give in. The gospel that I preach to you is the gospel that I shared with the early fathers and I did not give in. I did not yield in submission even for a moment. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me, Paul says. God shows no partiality. Several times throughout his letters, he does parentheticals like this. And, and you'll find, we'll find even in, in some of the other letters in, in Romans, the parentheticals are, are, paragraph, or are, are chapters but here in Galatians, in this first one, we can, we can sense, we can sense Paul's passion as he writes this. He's, he is angry, he's frustrated that this other kind of gospel is being shared to the churches in Galatia. What they were makes no difference to me, he says. God shows no partiality. Then he continues on, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter, the disciple, Peter, the one that was with Jesus, had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. And then again, a parenthetical. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. So he's saying, nobody's questioning Peter's going to the, the circumcised. Peter's going to the Jews. I'm going to the Gentiles. And, and the one who worked in Peter is the one who worked in me. Same God, same Jesus, same Holy Spirit at work in me. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be the pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me so that we could go to the Gentiles so that they could be circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that we were eager to do. He says, it seemed like everything was settled. I got called before the early church fathers, Paul says. I shared with them exactly what I shared with you, and everything was settled. Everyone began to see that God, who was at work in Peter, was also at work in me. There was a ministry to the uncircumcised, just like there was a ministry to the circumcised. And it seemed like everything was cleared up. And then he goes to verse 11. But, but, we were in Antioch. Peter came to Antioch, and he he, when he was there on his own, he would have meals, he would connect, he would fellowship, he would relate with the uncircumcised, Paul says, just as though they were a normal part of the church body. But then some Jews from Jerusalem came and all of a sudden Peter stepped back. Peter wouldn't have meals with those that he was having meals with before. Peter separated himself from the uncircumcised. And Paul says, when I came and saw that Peter separated himself from the, from the uncircumcised, I got in his face and said, 
If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile when other Jews aren't here and not like a Jew, how can you then force the Gentiles to live like a Jew? And then we come to verses 15 through 21 in chapter 2. Paul says, I said this to Peter, and this is the crux of the matter. We ourselves are Jews by birth, Paul says, me and, me and Peter. We are not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not made right. We're not forgiven. We're not made new by anything that we do. Even a rite of circumcision, we're not made right by any work that we do, but only, Paul says, through faith in Jesus Christ. So we believe in Christ Jesus in order to be made right, to be made new, to be forgiven, to be justified by our faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, because the works of the law, no one will be justified. In fact, he goes on to say, but if we endeavor to be justified in Christ, we, are found to, we too are found to be sinners. Is Christ when a servant of sin? Certainly not. It says in verse 18, for if I rebuild what I tore down, the law, if I, if I rebuild that law and I try to trust in the law again, I will prove to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is the heart of the gospel, Paul says. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. The transformation is not a bodily, physical transformation. It's not that we all have to be circumcised like the Jews. It's that our hearts are different. It's that we've been changed on the inside, not on the outside. The heart of the gospel is that I am transformed, he says. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now, the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He loved me. He gave himself for me. And I do not nullify the grace of God if righteousness were through the law. Christ then died for no purpose. It's only through Jesus. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm changed. I'm transformed. And now my life tells the truth about God. In fact, that's what the rest of this letter, when we look at it next week, that's what the rest of this letter is going to be. It's Paul going to say, when the Spirit works in me, there are, there are fruit He's going to say, there are fruit that I have. There are things that become true about me when the Spirit is at work in me. There are, there are fruit of the Spirit that are true about me. Things that are true about God are also true about me. I tell the truth about God. That's the phrase I use all the time. That we tell the truth about God. That's where he's headed in this next chapter. If we could have become righteous through the law, Paul says here in chapter 2, then there would have been no need for Jesus. He'll continue on with that same thought process here in chapters three and four we'll look at next week. But 
He says, if we could have done it through the law, there wouldn't have been a need to send a savior. If we could have done it through the law, there wouldn't have been a need for someone else to come. There wouldn't have needed to be a representative for us. We can't do it through the law. We can't do it through following the the law. We can't do it through following the circumcision law that we had. We have to do it through Jesus. It's only through him. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. The worship team's gonna come and help us to close the service this morning to worship together. As we continue through this book, and in fact, I hope, I hope this week that you'll go at home and that you'll read Galatians. It doesn't take very long to read the whole book. And I think it's best to read the whole book as well as you can, as if you can set out some time to do that, so that you can read it as a letter. Feel Paul's passion in it. Feel his conviction in it. Feel his fire in it. As he writes to those men and women in Galatia and says to them, and says to them, it's only Jesus not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That is our only hope. It's the heart of the gospel that I'm transformed and made new. In the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God. That's our hope. It's the hope for Paul. It was the hope he was declaring to the Galatians. And it's the hope for you and I this morning as well. Please stand with me as we sing this morning. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy. And freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hope, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. Shall overcome yet not I. 
this morning comes from Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming this morning.